Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. tell you right now i'm going to do my best on this Friday <laughs> show to bring the utmost positive energy to all of our listeners and true and everyone we work with out there what's going on welcome into bet the edge powered by points bet appreciate you all joining us on the nbc sports edge youtube channel coming up on this episode for this friday will gray he's joining us from the country club at brookline he'll tell us why he'd fade Rory McIlroy to win the U.S. Open, as well as get into which three ball markets he's targeting for this afternoon. Plus, Corey Parson, he's jumping on with another edition of Worst to First Division Handicap. And this time, we're going to focus on the NFC and analyze if there is any value right now in the futures market. And of course, we have our edge of the day. And I'm going to warn you now, mine is not an edge. It's merely a bet (laughs) that I am making to get me through this weekend. There we go. Bad energy's out, positive energy. Yeah. What is going on, Drew Dinsick? Well, um, yesterday felt like a Friday, you know? It uh, had that kind of a vibe I, sure all day. Um, Spoke too the, soon. Today's the Friday foolishness. <laughs> today is the day. Uh, so that was Max Payne. That was the not as um, just kind of gut-wrenchingly horrible as the Suns in Game 7, but it was close. Um, and... You know, I think if we want, we should probably start with the positive. Is that, uh, you know, that's where I want to begin. Reflect a little about the Warriors and that accomplishment. That's where I want to begin because some people out there, not us, some people were really happy that the Warriors won. And overall, I think, you know, we'll look back on Steph Curry and what he did, winning finals MVP, and obviously his career and leading up to um, this series in particular. But he did win his first finals MVP. We'll start with that. He was minus 110 before the series began. He ultimately got way up there. And the argument really was you could have found better value to bet Steph Curry as the MVP than to take the Warriors series price at some point. Um, But the Warriors close it out in game six, the under cash. The Warriors, in fact, of course, did cover 72% of the money line, by the way, Drew, came in um, on the Celtics. So... More backers were on Boston last night. But I think what is pretty crazy as we look at historically what the Warriors have done and with Steve Kerr and kudos to him. Fourth title in eight years for Golden State. Would you call this a beyond impressive run and one of the best you've seen and what they've been able to do consistently? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think this is kind of my perspective on all this stuff. Um, People will write 
you know, articles about how this matters to Steph's legacy and the Warriors' legacy and all. You know, they'll they'll be they they may even say this title matters more because we did it without you know, like there there may be a lot of that stuff, and I think all of that is noise. Like these guys are all time greats. Steph Curry is you know deserves to be in the discussion among the best players of all time, with or without this title, with or without it, uh, and the Finals MVP, he deserves to be in that discussion. And honestly, like personally, I. Um, I have a, a very fond feelings about Steph Curry and what he has done in terms of improving the entertainment factor of the game of basketball. He ushered Without in a that. style of play that has made the NBA imminently more watchable and entertaining, right? Like you go back in time before Steph Curry was in the NBA and some of those games, you had to be a hardcore NBA ba- style basketball fan to sit through a lot of that basketball. Um, but his, you know, his particular brand of basketball and what he did, and kind of, you know, turning on the light bulb of like, oh, wait, a wide open space, well-spaced floor and like three point, you know, attacking the three point line like this is this can work like that. That changed basketball for the good, ultimately. Um, and it's ushered in more fans and it's, it's driven more interest in the betting market. And so for all of that, I am very thankful for Steph Curry and what he has done. And uh, I'm glad for him that he gets a fourth ring and he gets to be in the yes. discussion among the all time. Only six players now in NBA history have four rings, multiple league MVPs and a finals MVP with the finals MVP last night. Steph Curry is one of them. Tim Duncan, excuse me, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, an amazing company, of course. And Steph Curry also surpassed Kobe Bryant for 30 plus point games in the NBA finals. He now has 14 of those. Um, Real quickly, before we move on, because we are going to talk about the U.S. Open and some players uh, teeing off in just a little bit, the Celtics. I do want to focus on them. You are a big Celtics backer. I like the Celtics throughout the series and last night. Lo and behold, doesn't come home. Was this more they were outplayed or it was a poor performance, a kind of mixture of both? Well, I am kicking myself hard for not seeing a lot of this coming more, more clearly. And we talked about it a little bit, um, but I feel like the entire um, narrative of the regular season was player fatigue. And I feel like as you look at the playoffs, that was kind of the story as well. The teams that really, the teams that played deep into last year's postseason that were playing into July, um, didn't get a much of an off season. Uh, they ran out of gas in round two of the playoffs. Uh, the teams that uh, didn't take their foot off the gas through the regular season, that really played hard through the you know through the regular season, put themselves at a disadvantage. The Warriors, who had their three most important players each play about half a season of basketball, were fresh in the finals. And I, you know, in the back of my head, but at the, as the playoffs were starting, I was thinking like, man, that might actually be, that might matter. Uh, that might be what exactly what they need. Um, and, you know, and, but the path broke well for them. Um, you know, they didn't have to play deep into uh, any of the preceding series until they got to the finals. And it is crazy to think that at about halftime of game four of the finals, the commentary among even people, you know, people I respect, people that watch the game closely, that followed the regular season day in and day out, mm-hmm. was, oh my God, wow, how washed are Draymond Green and Clay Thompson? Like they, you know, like it's it's over for these guys. Like that was the conversation at halftime of game four. And then they flipped a switch, they dug deeper, they found another gear. The Celtics could not answer it. And the Celtics ran out of gas in the third quarter of game five and just absolutely had no response when they got punched in the mouth in the first quarter of game six. It was tough to watch 
it was, you know, as someone who enjoyed and bet on one a lot on the Celtics throughout the regular season, like it was not enjoyable at all to see them struggle so mightily. Well, they were um, so but, profitable yeah. to back ever since really around Christmas yeah. time. It was, and... it was a rough watch though. I mean, right. they got punched in the mouth and they could not respond either tactically or physically. It felt like that white flag went up early. Uh, and that's rough. Like you really, I really wanted to see more out of that team, but they apparently knew that they didn't have the goods. I mean, I wa everyone watching is like, why in the world is Derek White out there? Like he's not the answer today. And yet, you know, they couldn't get away from him. Uh, and you know, some none of the role players could step up or provide that spark. Tatum was, you know, was MIA largely, and mm -hmm. uh, and you know, I think for them to not even you know be able to have a counter uh, counter punch when they got hit in that game was was a, was a surprise because they had answered so effectively throughout the postseason um, but i think it really speaks to they were just completely out of gas yeah and that's uh, that's what gas. happens right and that's also kind of plays into i think we saw six straight games now double digit margins obviously lost double digit loss yesterday for the celtics warriors win it's insane what they've been able to do over the last you know less than a decade now They're, the warriors are favored to win Next year's NBA championship, they open a six to one. They are the co-favorite. You guessed it, the Boston Celtics. Uh, and we'll talk about that later as well as the Clippers. But I mentioned we're going to, you know, kind of spin it positively. We move on. You had an incredible NBA regular season and a really good run in the playoffs. Ultimately, Warriors win. Warriors fans, Warriors backers, congratulations. I know they are partying, you know, last night somewhere in Boston I saw on Twitter. Have a day, Golden State. We move on. to the third major of the year. It is right now, the US Open. And for that, we have Will Gray live at Brookline. Will, sorry, you had to listen to us vent a little bit. We've talked <laughs> a lot about the Celtics and we had to get it off our chest, but we move forward. Um, more kind of generic question here going on. As I kind of look at the leaderboard, what's the latest and greatest going on at the US Open? Anything standing out that we should get involved in Target right now? Yeah, things move quickly at the U.S. Open. Uh, no surprise to anyone, but the overnight leader is now out to about 100 to 1. As Adam Hadwin has struggled this morning, you have MJ Duffy, who no one knows about, uh, is now leading the tournament. I don't expect that to last very long, but it is amazing to see a 400 to 1 long shot get down to about 14 to 1 in live odds uh, earlier today as he was building a three-shot lead. Uh, I think the, the takeaway, first of all, the course is, is tough, and it's going to get tougher today and into the weekend, but the big beneficiary from the morning wave is Rory McIlroy, even though he hasn't hit a shot. He his number keeps getting shorter and shorter because not only is no one really going low this morning, but a lot of the big names from this wave, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, Scotty Shuffler, they're not really putting together any sort of a move. Some of them are going the wrong way. So the big names that you thought might factor out of that group that shot 69 yesterday haven't really come to fruition. So all of a sudden it's Rory and a bunch of no names right now in the leaderboard outside of uh, Matt Fitzpatrick. Yeah, only guy playing well today. Sam Burns. <laughs> he has an issue. Sam yeah. Burns. Look yep. at it. Look at our guy. Uh, yeah. Good job, Sammy. Um, ultimately, I think he's looking at a top 10, not a win, but we'll see how he does this weekend. Um, yeah, it's, it was an interesting day of golf yesterday. Uh, I really like this course. I really like its setup. I think it's uh, it's made for a really entertaining U.S. Open. All that is, uh, um, you know, appreciated here. Um, Rory, at, though, the price is seems ridiculous, frankly. Plus 325, considering he has one round of golf in hand and that there are other true contenders that get to go in this afternoon wave where the conditions don't look super you know, problematic. Um, is, that, uh, is that the most effective way to attack this is just uh, basically look uh, to find any other runner outside of Roy? 
Yeah, I think so. Now, full disclosure, I was someone that thought 10 to 1 was too short on Roy to start the tournament. So I, I might not be the most oh, objective uh, voice in the room. But I will say, uh, you know, you mentioned, what, you know, how the Celtics were unable to respond when they got punched in the mouth. Eventually, Roy is going to get punched in the mouth by this golf course because everyone does at the U.S. Open. He has not yet really faced adversity. It's going to happen at some point. I, I do wonder how he's going to be able to respond to it coming off of the heater that he, he had last week at the Canadian Open. You know, it's been eight years since he won a major. It's a big deal. And I think as he gets closer over the weekend, there's going to be more and more pressure surrounding him. He's going to put more and more of that pressure on himself. Uh, and I, I'm with you. Plus 325, anything in that range is way too short for me to buy in given that he has 54 holes left to play and there are a lot of good names still in the mix. Yeah, a lot of golf left to play. And I am happy that you mentioned there's some good names still in the mix. And we're showing right now the live odds over at points bet. We're really only showing right now three plus 300, which is Rory, odds are moving. And then down to Colin Marikawa and take your pick. But who do, you, who do you like? It could be down the board right now that you take a shot on, Will. Yeah, no one's listening to me as, as Rory goes from 325 to 300. It's, it's, it's a lost cause. I mean, until hey, he we're tees off, if his, if his price moves one way until he tees off, then yeah. gotta wait. wait, wait yeah, wait. exactly. I mean, yeah, he's, he is not moving this. You know, it's not his performance that's doing this, uh, obviously. Yeah, listen, I think the group that was at one under last night really had my attention. As I said, some of the some of the players that were in that morning wave today haven't done much. But one player that I definitely have my eye on is Will Zalatoris, who, who got off to a very shaky start yesterday, bounced back, did get in with a, a one under 69. And he had some really good quotes when speaking to him after the round where he said the last seven or eight, eight holes, I didn't miss a shot. And for you to, to, to face that adversity that everyone's going to face in this tournament, to overcome it early and to get back on track, we know what he has done, always being in the mix in these majors, just lost a playoff to Justin Thomas at the PGA. But I think absolutely Zalatoris is a player at plus 145 this today. I'm looking to, to back him in the three ball in a group that includes Joaquin Neiman, another guy that I'm high on, but kind of went the other way. He got off to a hot start and really faltered down the stretch yesterday. But Zalatoris sitting there at 20 to 1, I think that's that's a buy price for me. Yeah, man, boy, I wish I could get an each way on him because solo second feels <laughs> yep. like it's just yep. it's coming again. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, no, there's a couple other great three balls. Uh, the one that really stood out to me and you know, I was looking for my uh, my edge of the day and I went right to what is Rom's price in that three ball with Markawa and Fiat. And uh, he is minus 122. Uh, is that a bettable number for Rom versus Morikawa effectively at a head to head there, or is uh, you know, or is that a pass? Yeah, it was a three way split yesterday with, with U.S. Amateur champion James Pyatt uh, putting together a really good round, actually. But yeah, I'm with you. It's effectively a head to head. That's a steep number. Colin Morikawa, you know, I spoke to both of them. I, I walked with them for several holes yesterday. Morikawa still doesn't have the cut, but somehow he's relying on the draw. It worked out yesterday. I wonder as we get deeper into the weekend if he's still going to be able to do that. Rom. Honestly, got pretty lucky. On 17 and 18, he hit some wild drives and managed to play those two holes in one under. It's one of those sequences of 30 minutes where if he does get into the mix and into contention, you're going to look back at that stretch, you know, Thursday morning and say, wow, that was a really pivotal moment. So uh, I, he spoke really about just the, the mental difference and just getting under par at the U.S. Open. You feel like you beat the golf course. And so I, I, I do think that Rom is the favorite in that head-to-head. -head. I think he's on much more solid footing. And, and even if you look in the outright market, he could be a name that you could potentially back. But keep in mind, when you're looking at the futures, if you're not in or around the lead today, you need to make a move this afternoon because uh, Justin Ray uh, had a great stat. 25 out of the last 26 winners of the U.S. Open were T6 or better after 36 holes. You're not going to see the crazy comeback that we saw from Justin Thomas at the PGA. If you're going to make the move, it needs to be this afternoon.
Okay, that's a great point and definitely noted to get more involved than I am. But let's talk about the different three ball market. We touched on Roy McElroy. No one's buying in three to one. But we look at the three semis in Roy McElroy, Matsuyama, Xander Shoffley. Xander Shoffley, by the way, third most top six finishes in the U.S. Open since 2014. Then you have Matsuyama plus 248, probably because he finished two over par in the first round. So how do we attack this three ball market? They tee off at 125 Eastern. Well, yeah, Shoffley is a really interesting uh case study in the U.S. Open. He has never finished worse than tied for seventh in this tournament in five starts. He's played a ton of U.S. Opens, is always right there, not really in the mix to win the tournament, but he is usually very consistent and on the leaderboard. So of that three ball, I would kind of lean in his direction because, like I said, I, I think that Rory is going to have a, a squirrely stretch of, of four or five holes at some point. It may come this afternoon. Uh, it may not come to the weekend, but I think of those three, the, the most steady option, uh, and, and I do like the prices on Xander Schauff. I agree with that. 185 does look like a, a bettable number. On the way out here, I got to ask, what is the vibe uh, in in and around those in the, the in the world of golf about Phil effectively coming in DFL? Yeah, I, I think it's sad. I mean, his press conference on Monday was sad. His play this, these past two days where he's almost DFL, as you said, is, is kind of sad. I mean, the fans have supported him. Yesterday was his birthday. He turned 52. Uh, but he is he's out of his element in terms of just playing the golf course. His win at the PGA last year is becoming more and more remarkable the farther away we get from it. It's, it's just it's absolutely stunning. Uh, and, and I don't think that he's really going to get back to that mode uh, on the PGA Tour or in the majors anytime soon. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's an unfortunate chapter in a coda to to a great career, but uh, you know we'll we'll see him playing in those those live events in a couple of weeks. He'll probably have a couple more notable PGA names I would expect uh, playing with him in Portland, and then you know the U.S. or the uh, the Open Championship at St Andrews will be right around the corner. It's one of those things that like you don't want to keep watching, reading, listening about it, but I also can't keep my eyes off all the Phil Nicholson stuff. It's just one of those situations. Hey, if you're not already following Will on Twitter, do so at Will Gray PC. Check all of his updates on Twitter and of course on NBCSportsEdge.com. Enjoy the country club, Will. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah, no problem, guys. Enjoy your Friday. Hey, just a reminder, if you do not have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free. They're easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in the NBA playoffs on the PGA Tour and NASCAR circuit. And today, we are offering a very special Battle of the Bets contest where you could tail or fave champion Brian Rubin as he faces challenger J.J. Frudenberg for a chance to win. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, They'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.
What do you want from your sports book? Better odds, fast and easy live betting. Sounds like you don't want to just bet. You want to live your bet life. When you bet with PointsBet, the official sports book partner of NBC Sports, you get better odds and bigger payouts all in a fast and reliable sports book. Download the app now and sign up with code NBC2000 to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Additional terms and conditions apply. Must be present in New Jersey, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Colorado, Michigan, Virginia, West Virginia, New York, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Void where prohibited must be 21 plus. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, 1-888-5 3500 in Virginia, 8778 Hope NY, or text Hope NY 467-369 in New York. www.pointsbet.com slash terms dash and dash conditions. Well, I'm excited to watch the remainder of the US Open, but we are going to switch gears now. I know your edge of the day is with the U.S. Open, so we will get back. But we welcome in good friend of the show, NBC Sports Edge's very own Corey Parson. Let's talk a little bit about everything here, Corey, on this Friday. Uh, first and foremost, ripped the Band-Aid off, talked about the NBA Finals and the Celtics. But now we spin it forward, and I ask you what you make already. We will speak too soon about the market for the NBA champion next season as the Celtics, Warriors, Clippers, they all open as the favorite at 6-1. to one. I think it's pretty interesting um, that, you know, you see those teams that open up right there, Boston Celtics and uh, Golden State Warriors, obviously the two teams we just saw wrap up in the finals. Um, just poor performances from the Celtics down the stretch, unlike what they've been able to do, unlike what they was doing all season. They kind of finally resulted to the team I thought they was, but I'd already lost enough money at that point. But the truth of the matter is that Clipper uh, thing is pretty interesting mainly because of the fact that, you know, we're banking on the Clippers and their talent-wise. No Paul George this year, no Kawhi Leonard this year. Ty Lue is a great head coach, still gets that team, you know, to the play-in tournament. But here's the thing. Do we know what that Kawhi Leonard is going to come back and be the same dominant force that he has been in years in the past? He's getting older now. He was pretty beat up after that run in 2019. But I don't think – I think the Clippers are a solid team, and I think they deserve, deserve to be up there. But you look at the Milwaukee Bucks at plus 750. I'm going to keep going back to them. Giannis, Chris Middleton healthy. I think that's pretty interesting. And then, you know, uh, you look at the rest of the, the list, the Brooklyn Nets, also very interesting. But what are they going to do with head coach? Is Steve Nash going to be able to get this team over the top? I know Kevin Durant is going to be very, very motivated next season because all the talk on the big cable talk shows today is Steph Curry and the crew, they won a championship without Kevin Durant. They won without him and previously, they won without him after. So I know he's right. going to be pretty motivated coming into the season next year. But that Clippers look is um, I think the Clippers might on paper be the best team in the league going into the season next year if they're fully healthy. Can't disagree with that. I feel like you're not you're gonna get better than six to one in season, though. Exactly, hundred yeah. percent. With all of these teams, all of the I would not bet any of these numbers right now because you'll get better numbers in season on all of these teams. Maybe not the Grizzlies. Yeah, and interested too to see if some of the teams that are not listed here at the top of the board make some moves. 
Uh, you, you know, Lakers, obviously, who were last year's title favorites, <laughs> not even in the top eight uh, because they, the you know, Miami yeah. Heat, who just rightfully really so. Good. And the Miami, yeah, Heat, uh, definitely a team that seem likely to kind of shake up that roster. Totally. Um, you know, and uh, if they get, if they bring in a, a you know, a superstar, we'll see uh, how that changes people's perception of the Heat. Um, but yeah, long, long way to go before I'm going to put another NBA bet in. I'll tell you that much. Um, you and me both, Drew. I, need a, I, need, <laughs> I need a break. Yeah, same, same, same. Let's talk about the NFL since we now kind of pivot to that being the focus for the next couple of months here, prepping for the regular season to start. Um, the NFC, let's be honest, is the weaker conference. Yeah. And that creates opportunity for those teams that can make a leap in terms of their quality of play this season to potentially make some noise, steal some divisions. Um, you know, I think you can make a reasonable case that, uh, you know, outside of the NFC South, these other three divisions can be one. Um, is there, uh, is there a, a general read on which of these you think is the most competitive and uh, which of the last place teams makes the most sense to uh, potentially make some noise this year? Uh, I think we still got to get some situations all straightened out with quarterbacks. And I think both the quarterbacks that's on the market are going to end up with NFC teams. But if you look at where we stand right now, I think it's tough to go from worst to first this season. But if you want to let's start in the NFC East with the New York Giants. Optimism abound this season. Great draft. Brian Dayball, new general manager. The same quarterback, though. And that could be a problem. Now, the addition of Tyrod Taylor could be interesting if he could stay healthy. They may have to go to him at some point. But the thing with the NFC East is the NFC East has a dominant player at a dominant position in Dak Prescott. Knock on wood. If something was to happen to Dak Prescott, then that division is wide open at that point. So that is kind of the reason why you would say that the Giants would maybe have a shot to do mm-hmm. so because they can compete with the rest of those teams. They can compete with Philadelphia, Carson Wentz throwing the ball, ambidextrous, in Philadelphia, I mean, in Washington, it's not going to work. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> when you look at, you know, that's a division where not only is the division not as talented as the rest of the teams, but you have a player in there that if he gets hurt, can bring the rest of the division together. No, I totally understand what you're saying. Plus, Brian Dable, we'll see how he fits in and ultimately how he could turn this team kind of slash franchise as of late. Uh, around. They haven't made the playoffs nor had a winning season dating back to 2016, but they do have a really easy schedule. They, this just, just, they took that crazy picture on that boat. They've been the worst team in the in the league. People forget it's all about the boat picture. I don't. I remember that picture very well, actually, floating around a few years ago on social media. Uh, let's head to the NFC North. And Drew has certainly talked a lot about the Detroit Lions and the value they offer in the win total market and in the futures market. And they're nine to one right now. Chicago actually is the longest odds 11 to one, but Detroit finished last this season. And of course, this is kind of worst to first. So I'm curious what you make now of the NFC North and specifically the Detroit Lions and what you're expecting to see from them. Kind of lovable losers. You know what I'm saying? A team that went 11 to six against the spread last year. I think there's going to be some opportunities to bet them against the spread again uh, this year. One thing about the Detroit Lions, we know that they're, they're going to play hard and they're, they're going to fight. They're not going to give up. But are they going to win? And, you see, that's going to be a little bit difficult with their quarterback situation, especially with Jared Goff out there. Jared Goff has held his teams back at times last year. will probably hold his teams back at the times again this year. Now, do I think the Packers are cream of the crop in this division? No, I don't. 
then this division is going to be a little bit tighter. I don't think they run away with it like they normally do. I think the Minnesota Vikings have a very good shot to win this division. When you look at the Lions, I think it's a good story. Like I said, lovable losers. But can they jump up to that first place spot in this division? I don't believe that to be the case. I think the way you bet this team is probably going to be ATS. And I can see them pulling off some upsets in division going down the stretch of the season when that team comes together and you get Jameson out there and stuff like that. So I like what they're putting together. They're tough on defense. Got to get better offensively, though. And that's my quarterback position. Corey, for the record, after last night's loss, I too feel like a lovable loser. So <laughs> I slide with the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I identify with them as well. Um, the uh, uh, I am personally like nine to one is as crazy as it is. It's probably not enough of a price to play the Lions to win the yeah. NFC North. Uh, I actually would swing for the fences and take like Dan Campbell, coach of the year. He's in like the 20 to one range because like the Lions could make the playoffs as a wild card and people still would be like, oh, my God, the Lions made the playoffs. Dan Campbell absolutely has to be considered coach of the year. Right. Uh, similarly, a guy like Aiden Hutchinson may be able to compile stats now that he's on like kind of a decent defensive line and he gets to go up against the Bears twice a year. So he'll get like 10 seconds. They will be on hard knocks this this upcoming uh, this upcoming uh, August. Ooh. So hmm. we're really going to take a look inside that organization and see what they're about. Man, they really fought for that for the, for Dan Campbell last year. So him as coach of the year could be very interesting. Yeah, hard knocks though might curse them unequivocally. Yeah. So, we'll or you just better you better curse. bet everything before that airs because you know people. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, the uh, the strongest favorite across the market is in the NFC South, and it is the mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Bucks. Although the Tampa Bay Bucks have a weaker roster this year than they did coming in as the defending champs last season, and they have a very tough schedule, particularly out of the gate. Um, do you see them as a vulnerable favorite and that any of these teams towards the bottom have a, a, ch- a chance to knock them off, namely the Panthers? Yikes. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, the Panthers are the team that would be going from worst to first in this division right here, and I think that's mm-hmm. going to be tough to do. You notice when we point to these teams that are in last place last year, they all seem to have a problem with the quarterback position, and that is the case once again with the Carolina Panthers. Sam Donald is, the, I guess you would pencil him in the starter right now, but I do think we get Baker Mayfield in there. They played well defensively last year. They were horrible on offense. Is Christian McCaffrey going to play games this year? That would be nice if he decides to be a football player because he hasn't been a football player in about two years now. You know, you know, hate throw him under the bus like that, but it is what it is. Um, So you get Baker Mayfield in there. I still worry about this offense. I'm not sure how good Mayfield is uh, moving forward. Tampa's a heavy favorite and likefully so. And the Saints have yet to lose to Tom Brady, new head coach in New Orleans this year. But they should be back and be a strong team. I like the addition of Chris Olave. I think the Panthers can be better than the Falcons, but they won't be better than the Saints or the Buccaneers. They may not be better than the Falcons. Yeah, I'm just looking at some of the line movement that we're showing over at points bet. Just when Tom Brady was retired, we saw people yeah, that crazy, in and right? all the crazy movement in the NFC South taking dips. And uh, yeah, I don't think people are as invested in the Carolina Panthers now that they saw the return of Tom Brady. I'm certainly not, but... Would for fantasy purposes and just, you know, I like watching Christian McCaffrey. I'd like to see him back on the field for a full season, but I'm not betting into the Carolina Panthers. I don't care who their quarterback is. You put him now, on your fantasy team, Sarah, Christian McCaffrey? Yeah, no, I like him. Yeah, I love him fantasy. And, of course, I like him in the player prop market all the time okay. uh, when he's healthy. So the NFC West, this is our final. If we look at the NFC divisions from worst to first, and believe it or not, that would be the Seattle Seahawks if we're talking about worst to first. They are 14 to one, dead last in the futures market to win their division. Rams, 
Niners, then of course, Arizona and Seattle. I will not be betting on the Seattle Seahawks much <laughs> this season, but I am curious ultimately your handicap of this division and if there's any way to get involved with the Seahawks. Well, this was supposedly the best division in the NFL last year. And listen, we saw them, you know, play good at times, but, but all of these teams had their ups and downs. The Seahawks quarterback situation, Geno Smith, that quarterback room has Geno Smith in it and it has Drew Locke in it. Now, they cut Jimmy. If Jimmy Garoppolo is cut, I'd see Seattle going to snatching up Jimmy Garoppolo. That makes DK Metcalf a very good fantasy option. What mm-hmm. does that do for the Seahawks? I think he has a couple of wins to them, enough to get to the top of that division. Likely not. I still think that division will run through the Los Angeles Rams, Sean mm-hmm. McVay, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup. So much talent on that team. With the 49ers, we don't know what Trey Lance is. That's the bottom line of the other, other matter. With the Cardinals, they're probably getting ready to make a big mistake and pay Kyler Murray a whole bunch of money. <laughs> that Kyler Murray does not deserve it, but we've seen this team fold down the stretch two years in a row. Now, one thing that I will say, week one, I like the Cardinals to upset the Kansas City Chiefs, so mm-hmm. I'll give you that little nugget right there. But as far as the Seahawks making it to the first place in, uh, role in this division, I don't see it. Lance could come on and be real strong and lead the Niners to the playoffs. The Cardinals will be in that playoff mix as well. If the Seahawks get Jimmy Garoppolo, I think it could make it interesting as who's the second place team in that division. Maybe they get a wild card spot, but nobody in this division, in my opinion, can compete with the Rams. Are you hearing that as a rumor? Uh, if he gets right now, they think they they right now from what I'm from what I understand, it looks like Mayfield is going to the Panthers, and then the thing they seem to like Drew Locke, which blows my mind you know what i'm saying (laughs) or maybe they're just saying that but they don't look like they're going to trade for um uh for for garoppolo obviously not in division but i think garoppolo is going to end up getting cut cut because you got to free up that money to bring in debo samuels this is what holding debo's contract debo's contract is not done because garoppolo is still on the team at least that's what i think so i think if you get eventually Garoppolo ends up getting cut, which would be amazing because all he does is win football games. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The dude is taking his team to the NFC Championship twice. But if they do not go get Garoppolo, then it's a race to the bottom for the Seahawks. Take a palooza to get one of those quarterbacks next year. Yeah. Drew Locke must uh, just be the most amazing hander off of the football of all time, which is They like them they, coming yeah. out. They like, they, 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 the general manager of the Seahawks was really into Lock when Lock came out of college, so that's what the, that's what the thing is. Well, that was like yeah. a long time ago. You know what those I'm guys, saying? Those guys, those guys have lost uh, have lost their ability to evaluate talent, from what I can tell you. Yeah, it doesn't. I, I don't see the Lock thing. I think I, the, to me, the Lock thing sounds like we're tanking. Yeah. Question, yeah. kind of concern from a viewer, and true is that your cat as their uh, <laughs> their photo? Looks Jimmy can't push the ball downfield. How does that help Metcalf? Yeah, obviously you can still get Metcalf because you can get him the football. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to be Russ cooking, throwing big 70, 80 yard bombs. Correct. You have if Locke is the quarterback, he's off your board fantasy wise. Now with Garoppolo as the quarterback, then I think you can salvage it. It's not going to be with Russell Wilson what it was with Russell Wilson, but he'll definitely be a, you know a fantasy asset. Drew brought up a lot of good points just over the last couple of weeks when we've talked about the NFL futures market to kind of how to handle the Trey Lance situation. And we'll continue to delve into that just depending on what happens, how we find an advantageous to bet into that team, depending how he does. And if he is even the starting quarterback. So. Yeah, you know what? I, yeah. Go ahead, Drew. If they cut Garoppolo and this is the Trey Lance show right now, 
that win total is like three too high. Which, which definitely, is, 100%. Which, is cra- which is crazy. Like you never see win totals that far off of real. Yeah, on that, a first I mean, on a first year quarterback, maybe yeah. it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. Well, yeah, if it's getting rumblings, even I mean, we might see this take a hit pretty quickly and. Hey guys, we saw a little tape of uh, Trey Lance last year. He's not Patrick Mahomes. No, he's not. So <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't think he's going to come in and win the MVP, even though he's getting bet. He has more bets in the MVP market than Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, which is crazy to me. But here's the thing, right? So like you, you bring Lance in and you have to just look back and be like, we had a chance to get Mac Jones. Then that ten and a half would have stood up if Mac Jones was the quarterback. Trust me, we'll be talking about Mac Jones over the next couple of months. I guarantee it. We always find a way to talk about Mac Jones. I know I do. Hey, nonetheless, for today we have to move on to edge of the day. But for now, Corey's on Twitter at the at the fantasy exec. You can read his NFL handicaps there on NBCSportsEdge.com. I love doing the worst to first and just getting into the divisions and kind of seeing how mm-hmm. it plays out. So, Corey, thank you so much. Have an awesome weekend. Hey, everybody, enjoy the long weekend. Good stuff. Hey, weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff coverage presented by Uber Eats. Catch the Phillies take on the Nationals in Washington Sunday, June 19th at 1130 a.m. Eastern live on NBC and Peacock. To learn more, go to PeacockTV.com slash MLB. And if you want a chance to win $25,000 on the game, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsPet and enter Sunday's free Grand Slam Pick'em Contest. You know, I'm happy that we kind of got the NBA out of the way. I feel better, Juju, talking about the NFL, talking about the U.S. Open, and whatever else you want to talk about. But for now, edge of the day, we are back to betting. Regardless how last night felt, we get back on the betting train. Edge of the day for today, the weekend, whatever you got. What do you think? Yeah, well, um, Ons Jabor's in action and grass. That's good. Uh, she looks good. Uh, need her to win Wimbledon now. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, uh, that would be nice. Um, so hopefully she keeps up this form. My um, uh, prayer of the day is going to be in the U.S. Open market. Uh, and actually, I don't know that you can find the number that I bet because it is getting um, you know is moving because of the rest of the field going backwards here. But uh, I like John Rom. To win the U.S. Open at this point, I've seen enough. Uh, he got he 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 did get a little lucky yesterday, particularly at the end of that round. I thought, um, but when he is, you know, when he's got not his best stuff and still manages to scratch out a 69 in those conditions on that difficult of a course, he is a dangerous, dangerous guy mm-hmm. in the you know lurking in the uh, you know you know lower end of the leader you know top of the leaderboard leaderboard right now. Um, no one is distinguishing themselves today at the Country Club. Uh, Sam Burns, the only kind of notable player who's put together a solid round here at my two under uh, for today has moved to one under for the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, John Rahm is is uh, is a very, very, very scary competitor, um, you know, a- across any of these players who think that they have a chance to win this title. Uh, defending U.S. Open champion, obviously, I think the course plays to his strengths. Oh, nine to one is still. Available. Yes. OK, yeah. John Rahm, nine to one. I think that's the bet. I think he is uh, he is the guy to keep an eye on as we um, head into the weekend. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's obviously this is a long shot to a degree. I don't usually 
have edges of the day that are in the nine to one range, but uh, we got to make up. Uh, we got to we got to cover some losses here. So uh, we're going to swing for the well, fences. Ron, John Rom nine to one. He's yeah. uh, off in just over an hour. I think an hour and a half now, uh, around one o'clock from Brookline. By the way, Roy McElroy has gone from three twenty five three now three fifty in the course of I don't know twenty minutes on our show. <laughs> Live yeah, odds are getting updated. Wild one this morning. So uh, John Rom nine to one. Say no more. It's hard to uh, not justify. Rather John Rom. Yeah. Sure. Nine to one. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, your edge of the day, you know, you kind of joke that maybe not the biggest edge, nine to one. I have not, this is not an edge. I want to clarify that for our listeners. Um, and I said that at the top of the show because I'm going back to trying to be the ice queen that I was for two days of this year. Lightning adds through under six, probably wondering why we saw seven goals in game one. I'll tell you why. I think that Vasilevsky is going to have a big game. I don't know if they're necessarily going to win, but I found a really interesting stat from what he's done in the playoffs, obviously as a lightning goaltender. Game one, 399 goals average against games, two through seven, so much better, uh, giving up less than two goals a game, 939 save percentage. So for some reason, he's been a lot better in games two and then on. Also, I think the Lightning just kind of need to adjust to the Avalanche and their fast play. I actually kind of like the Avs after watching that first game, but I'm not laying around, what, minus 160 for them on the money line. Um, but I think it'll be more of a conservative game trying to stay in it with Tampa's defense. So positive regression from Tampa's defense. I ultimately just like the under in this game, and there's now been six or fewer goals in 10 of Tampa's 12 playoff games this season so more than anything adjustments slower pace game and uh not an edge but i'm gonna bet into this game so why not i'll give a shot under six not my biggest wager but i am involved in the stanley cup game too okay coin flip of the day has a nice little ring to it coin yeah. flip coin of the flip, day yeah. um my yeah, coin flip I, was better than a true edge i thought had last night probably so i'll tell you i my gut was saying play the over uh so that's probably wrong uh oh. and uh yeah under under sounds sounds good to me <laughs> Uh, we got I a like comment come we got a comment coming in on our YouTube channel. Let's just see this thing as we get ready for the Friday. Yeah. Thank you. We try Thank to have you. a great show and bring the energy. I feel like I had an emotion of waves on this show, but that's just a Friday foolishness. It's what yeah. we do. That's right. For Drew Dinsack. You can find him on Twitter, by the way, at whale underscore capper. I'm Sarah Perlman. Thanks for being with us, not just today, but all week long here on Bet the Edge, powered by Points Bet. Best of luck with all your bets. I hope it's an amazing weekend betting. We all deserve it here. We'll see you next week here on Bet the Edge. And yeah, enjoy the weekend. Take care, guys. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 